John chapter 5, if you can believe it or not, I'm going to hit the entire chapter in one day. Um, I'm not lying. I promise you. I promise. We'll be in John. We're actually going to pick it up in verse. Uh, we'll go 15, all right? Um, so summertime is uh, approaching its end. And yeah, you better believe it's hot. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, it's kind of like a bittersweet thing, summertime, me and its relationship. Um, I always think like when summer comes, it's going to be a time where I just get to just chill out and rest. But how many of you know the devil is a lie? Because that's never how it works out to be. It doesn't matter like if I, if I schedule um, a vacation, um, I've got at least that. But the rest of the time, especially this summer uh, for myself, has been just really, really busy, really stressful. Um, just been working on so many projects and a lot of expectations that I've probably just put on myself that I probably didn't need to do that. Um, but it, even like this past week, this past week was very busy for uh, me and Miranda. Uh, we had uh, several counseling things we had to do. Um, and then our, 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 our fatty McFatterton is like got some teeth cutting in the back and it's woke, you know, to wake him up at 5 a.m. And brother man don't want to go back to sleep. And and it's just been tragic for us because we're going on probably just a few hours of sleep the whole week and, you know, had a wedding. So it's just been uh, just very busy for us. And, and that's okay. It's been all great things. Uh, but I know after this week, I could use a nap, all right? I don't take naps, but I know uh, for certain that, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take a nap, but it's probably not going to happen. In fact, when I try to take a nap, some now Miranda naps. Right, how many of the ladies nap, or men? I know some of the men. You're not excluded. There you go. There you go. You're not excluded from napping. Uh, Miranda, when she naps, it's it's like bedtime. <laughs> how many of you nap like it's bedtime? We have to go in there and just kind of like shake her and make sure that woman's still alive. Like Miranda, Ezra's already awake. When you gonna wake up? It, I mean, it's that kind of nap. She she lo- that woman loves her sleep, and if she doesn't get her nap on Saturday or Sunday. Man, that Satan unleashes his wrath upon our household. I am not even lying. It is true. But when I try to take a nap, which is a very rare thing, something triggers my children. (laughs) It's time to bother dad. And it's nothing that's important. It's like the most ridiculous things, too. I mean, I'll be laying on the couch. They'll see me on the couch with my eyes closed. Hey, Dad, can I go outside? I mean, just ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to lock you out, and you're not coming back in my house. You know what I mean? Now, here's what, I, here's what I've learned. I actually have a point with this, I promise. I'm not just venting, although it feels good to do that, all right? Here's what I've learned, that, that I could use a little bit more rest, and that you and I, and, and you guys could use a lot more rest. And I'm not just talking about sleep. I'm talking about just kind of, detaching from the chaos of the world and actually resting uh, because what I know is our souls could use a lot of rest and the things that probably keep us up at night or the things that probably keeps us from entering into that rest things like fear things like stress with your job stress in your marriage stress on uh, your school I mean 
you know, you just name it, and there's something out there that's vying for your mental attention where you could just never turn your, uh, your brain off. I mean, it's just the way our culture is. It's a fast-paced culture. There's something always going on. There's something that's always um, wanting your attention. And it's just difficult for us to shut our brains off. But I found something interesting in John chapter 5 that Jesus is addressing. And it's the topic and the issue of Sabbath. And it's the issue of rest. So John chapter 5, let me pick you back up from where we were before we get into 16. Jesus meets a guy. He comes through the sheep gate and he meets a guy who's been lame for 30 something years and Jesus goes up to him on the Sabbath and asks him do you want to be healed which is probably the most ridiculous question ever and the man said man I've been here for a long time bro ain't nobody gonna take me to the water ain't nobody helping me but Jesus is asking him not just does he want to be healed but does he want to be whole because with the healing was going to come a different lifestyle that he was going to have to get reaccustomed to and so here's this man, he's healing, or here's Jesus, he's healing this, this lame man on the Sabbath. The guy picks up his mat, and the religious leaders and the church folk, they don't say, wow, that guy's walking. No, he's been out there for years. Wow, he's healed. No, they don't say that. They come up to the, with a religious question, why are you walking with your mat on the Sabbath? Like the guy that you thought would be there to support you, the guy's who you thought would be there to cheer you on, they're there questioning, why are you working on the Sabbath? Which, um, just note here, was a man-made rule, walking with a mat on the Sabbath. So here's where we pick it up. So the religious leaders are furious at Jesus. So look at verse 15. The man went, this is the man that we just talked about who's just been healed, went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Now, we don't know exactly what this persecution looked like. So Jesus responded to them. Notice Jesus' response to them here. My father is still working, and I'm working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Let me just stop right there. You assume that the Israelites had forgotten the true purpose of the Sabbath day. By the time Jesus shows up in the scriptures, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Israel was worshiping the Sabbath instead of worshiping the God of the Sabbath. And it's probably just, Israel just had no idea now what it even meant to rest. And so the Pharisaic tradition, by the time Jesus shows up, had developed into an array of petty rules and petty laws where they took the law and began to, what they thought was protect the law by adding more laws. It sounds so confusing. And it was confusing because none of the Jews even understood it at this point. Because the Sabbath was more about 
doing resting and resting in God. It was more of a spiritual rest. And so now they've added all of these minute barriers and hedges around the law. Well, rest. Well, now you can't walk 3,000 feet. Now you can't uh, walk with your mat. And so they began to add all of these things. And this was uh, called the halakha, which is a Hebrew word uh, that the Pharisaic uh, traditions made up here. And the scribes made this up to make themselves look like they had more control. So they were just doing this so that they could control culture and so that they can control how people acted here. This is the whole purpose of them doing this. And so their whole thing here is like, why are you doing this? Why are you walking with your mad? I can't believe this. And so now they're trying to waive their control, waive their, their, their rule and their authority over them. And ironically, them doing this was breaking the law. Because if you can remember back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, remember what God told them about the law? Do not add anything to the law or do not take anything away from the law. And so now suddenly they've even broken the law by adding to the law. Who can get rest from this, right? So I think that Jesus is not just trying to poke and pry at the religious establishment, which he is, but that's not just the point of why he's healing someone on the Sabbath. Here's what I would suggest what this text is all about. Jesus is healing on the Sabbath so that those who were wounded, those who were broken, those who were sick, can they themselves partake in the Sabbath? If you're wounded, if you're constantly worrying, if you're constantly sick, if there's something that's always got your attention, can you rest? I can't. When, they, when I've got stress on me, when I've got uh, physical issues or financial issues, or if I've got uh, relational issues, or when I've got issues uh, with, with jobs or with school, like I can't rest while that's going on. And so here's why Jesus is pressing, and here's why Jesus is doing this on the Sabbath, so that those who could not rest could find rest. And Jesus isn't breaking the Sabbath. He's fulfilling the Sabbath. You come to Jesus and you find rest. That was the whole purpose of Jesus. In fact, it's so interesting that in the Gospels, Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath. Guess how many times, y'all? Seven. Isn't the Bible so cool? Now, I'm not like trying to get all like numbers and all that kind of stuff on you, but I think that's pretty fascinating. He heals the man with evil spirits. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. Some of y'all don't even remember that Peter was married. He healed the man with the withered hand. Healed the crippled woman. He healed the man with dropsy. He healed the blind man. And here he heals a lame man. And the religious people thought, couldn't you have done this on one of the six days that this was appropriate? Couldn't you have just waited one more day, Jesus? I mean, he's been like this for a really long time. Why couldn't you just held out? Just one more day, Jesus. But Jesus came 
so that those who could not participate in the rest that God was offering, he came so that they could find that Sabbath, that rest. Now, how many of you can use a little bit more rest in your life? Amen? Y'all with me this morning? Yeah. That was a lie. That was my whole introduction, but we're going to dive into this, all right? <coughs> I found some things when I was reading through this, what keeps us from resting, what keeps our souls from entering into the Sabbath, from entering into rest. And I don't want you to think just so much of a day. I want you to just think like rest in your soul. I mean, you just think this is, like if you know God's theme here, I mean, this is what he, he does. I mean, he brings people who are on the margins of society, who are broken and downcast, into his redemptive fold to bring them rest. So that's a theme of the character of God here. And so I found three things that keep us from rest. And, and this, this first one's going to need a little bit of explaining, all right, because I think when we hear this term, we think of something different. But I found that what keeps us from resting is the idea of legalism. I mean, you have this religious establishment here. These guys were the, uh, they were the model for legalism. Now, here's, here's how I would uh, define this, that what keeps you from resting. Here's what legalism, I think, is. It's when you're more dependent on your physical appearance, more dependent on your physical behavior, instead of you being dependent on Christ and the work of Christ. That's legalism, right? It's when you are relying way too much on yourself and your appearance and your moral behavior instead of relying and resting in Christ and what he's done for us. Now think about it like this. Our legalism, it works itself out and it puts a burden on us that makes us want to work, right? Makes us want to work. And like I said earlier, makes us put an expectation on ourselves that nobody else put on you. Now, that's probably my biggest downfall right there, y'all. If we can just have like a little honest talk, if that's okay with y'all. Like, hello, my name is Matthew Thror. I put expectations on myself. Ain't nobody else expecting me to do. My wife don't expect me. And here's like the, the thing that, I, that, that you can breathe in that God didn't even tell you to do. And so here's what I do because of that. I work, and I work at it, and I work, and I work, and I work because I'm so worried about the physical appearance, where I'm so worried about the behavior, I'm so worried about how things look. You see how this is legalism here? That I'm more concerned about appearance. I'm more concerned about the task. I'm more concerned about the expectations. I'm less concerned about how God views me. And I'm less concerned about what God has told me to do. Because I like to just take it another mile and, and put expectations on myself that I really have no, uh, no need in doing. Another reason, another way that this works itself out in, in legalism is we carry the burden. And I've heard some of us say this, and, I, and you could hear this, uh, 
when you begin to talk about Christianity, especially when you start diving in, is there's a burden that some of you and I carry, and it's the burden that says, well, I, I just hope that I make it to heaven. And so when we say that, what we do then is we, we put on legalism and we make our salvation more of a works-based theology which Paul counters and Jesus counters and all these, the, the New Holding Testament counters that idea. Do you know how like stifling that is for your soul? For you to believe that, well, I just hope I make it to heaven. Listen to me very carefully. God has redeemed you. If you are a believer, if you are a regenerate believer in Christ, God has saved your soul. And according to Romans, nothing can separate you from the love of God. A lot of us, we carry that burden of, well, I just hope I make it in heaven. And so we begin just to make our salvation this works-based thing. Well, we got to do more. We got to do more. I got to do this. Got to do that. And yes, please do right. If you hear me saying you ain't got to do right, <laughs> then the devil's working in your ears right now, okay? Some of y'all need to do a little better, okay? All right, I'm just throwing that out there. Not some of y'all, some of them watching. All right, we'll go there, okay? It's the, <laughs> glad you ain't watching either, Willie. Jesus Christ here steps into the Sabbath. And he offers something incredibly different than what the legalistic Jews and the legalistic religious leaders are trying to offer here. Jesus is offering them what no man could offer them. Jesus is offering them something that the religious establishment could not offer. And that was not just a physical rest. That was a rest for their souls. Jesus is stepping into the chaos. And in the Sabbath, he says, I got something better for you. I've got rest. Something the world cannot offer you. Something that your marriage cannot offer you. Something that your children cannot offer you. Amen, parents. I should have had like a praise break right there from somebody. You... Because they ain't going to give you rest. Christ comes in here and he says, I've got something and I've got rest for you. Look at verse 19. Because this is really going to attack a lot of us here. Verse 19, Jesus replied to them, truly, I tell you, he goes in this little <coughs> dissertation of a deity of God here. The son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likely, likewise does these things. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. And he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life to whom he wants. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. 
Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You know, it's incredibly difficult to rest in Jesus if you don't have a clear understanding of who Jesus is in the beginning. Now, I don't know if you caught this or not, but this is Jesus telling these people and claiming deity. Son equal with the Father. Bro, not only did he just, in their eyes, break the Sabbath, now he's committed blasphemy. Also, now you think you can go heal somebody on the day that we ain't need to be doing that kind of stuff, and now you claim to be Jesus? Here's what was keeping them in bondage, is that they did not understand they had the king of kings right there in their presence. The one whom they'd been studying about their whole life. <coughs> Jokers could quote the Torah. At best, we may can quote John 3.16. Right? I mean, these guys, they were on their tithe. I mean, they were on it. These were the people that you would probably want in your church. They tithed. Amen? They knew the word. I mean, these were like the seasoned believers. And something inside of them could not see the reality because they had a misunderstanding of who Jesus was. Could it be that even in our souls, we can't rest because we just don't know who Jesus is? We just don't trust him and who he says he is? It could it be that a lot of us here today cannot find that rest and that resolve? charismatic <laughs> think about Exodus and you, you can probably bring this back just a little bit Exodus chapter 20 God gives the law you guys remember this when we did our series on Exodus last year do we need to do another series on Exodus because I will <laughs> y'all don't push me I'll go two more years in John and we'll take three years in Exodus All right. y'all better remember Exodus Exodus chapter 20. One of the Ten Commandments here. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Here's why God introduces this law to them. How can you rest if all you've known in your life is bondage and slavery? If you remember the law right before that, Anybody remember the law right before that? Do not take the Lord's name in vain. This is incredible to me because I think the reason why do not take the Lord's name in vain and honor the Sabbath is right together is because you'll never be able to Sabbath. You'll never be able to rest unless you trust in the name, trust in who Jesus says that he is. 
Some of us need to rest in knowing that Jesus said he's sovereign. Jesus said he's in control. Jesus is claiming his deity here. Like we could rest in that. We could rest in and knowing that he's in control and I ain't. I mean, man, I can breathe now. I can breathe now because I'm not the point. I'm not in control. Jesus is. And I have found many times in my own life, and I'm talking about Matthew here, that I can't find resolve and, and rest from the tension is because I'm trying to control things. And honestly, the root of the issue is I just don't trust that Jesus has things in control. All right? And I know that may be like a shock to some of you. But there are times in my life where I lie in bed and I just scratch my head. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know if you got this one or not. I can't rest because of that. Jesus wants to push these religious leaders like, listen, you want to find Sabbath? You want to find rest? Here's the first step for you, boys. I'm God. I've got this. I'm in control. Here's, here's another one. Look at verse, let's pick it up in verse 31 here. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies about me. And I know that the testimony he gives about me is true. You sent messengers to John, and he testified to the truth. Man, Jesus, y'all, he's, he's bad to the bone. Listen to what he says. I don't receive human testimony. But I say these things so that you may be saved. John was a burning and shining lamp. And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Here's what I would suggest, and here's what I saw in this that keeps us from rest is the story that we tell, the testimony that we have. A lot of our testimonies are me-centered. A lot of our testimonies are far removed from what God has done for you. And so we create this story in our heads. Since Christ isn't the point, since Christ didn't redeem me, then who's, who's become the center of your life? You have, we have, I have. So suddenly my testimony is about me. Now, let me suggest, that is so crushing because you will never meet the standards of some hyper-reality that you are creating. You'll never meet these standards if you think life is about you. You know how crushing that will be for you? All right, if you don't, let someone disappoint you. Well, life is about me. Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> so your story is about yourself. You're witnessing not about Jesus Christ. You're witnessing about yourself. However, when our life in our story becomes more about Jesus Christ, then I can I could find a lot of rest in that. Because he's already done the work. Because he is in control. 
And if I can just point people back to Jesus and stop pointing them back to Matthew Thrower, man, I'd be in a whole lot better shape in my life. But sometimes I can't just because I think that I'm the point. I've got to have it done my way. Hello, my name is Matthew Thrower. Again, I've got control issues. I've got a certain way of doing things, right? You didn't have to amen that. You don't know me. I've got a certain way that things got to go. Man, I've made life about myself so many times. But what's the story that you're telling? Because if the story that you're telling is about Jesus Christ, you'll find a lot of rest in that. I don't know about you, but I could use some soul rest. I can use some of this Sabbath that Jesus is offering to us. Church, if we could just lean in to Jesus this morning. He's in control. He's the point. He's got all that we ever need. And on top of that, he's got an offer for every single one of us. It's rest. Can you lean into the presence of Jesus and just breathe into what he has for you. Here's Jesus stepping into John chapter 5 and seven other times in the New Testament. And in the view of these Pharisees, breaking the law, but he ain't breaking it. He's fulfilling it. Because only through Jesus can we find rest. Let's pray this morning. Father, God, I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of busyness, in the midst of perhaps some of us are in chaos, in the midst of storms, in the midst of just life, God, you're here this morning. You've got an incredible offer on the table for us. That through you, oh Lord, can we find rest. So we can lean into that this morning. So our souls are just not well today. Some of us are physically not well today. Some of us are mentally not there today. Jesus wants to step into your issues and give you rest for your soul. So let's receive his rest, receive his joy that he has for us. Again, the offer on the table that Jesus is presenting in John, here's life, and here's a new way of doing it.